I am so done with Ted Kravitz existing. I told, I've been it's telling you for years, Ted Kravitz is a fucking donut. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rear of the Grid. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined as ever by my good friend, Jashon. How are you today? Terrible, but I'm keen to get stuck into this podcast. It's going to be a big boy. Zanvolt was fun. We love that. Uh... You know what? Obviously, that you you did well. You you brought the energy. So Thanks, man. We we respect that. Appreciate it. We respect that a lot. And on this week's show, uh, George Russell presents the weather. Charles Leclerc is depressed. And uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, Max Verstappen won the race. No, how? All that and more on this another episode of Rear of the Grid. <laughs> Here we are, back for another week in review of the Dutch Grand Prix. And boy howdy, we've not got to do this many times this year, but uh, what a weekend of action it was. Oh my God. Um, am, I, am I being too hyperbolic in that? If I say that out, outside of Britain, I think this was comfortably race of the year. No, not hyper... Not I don't even... I don't even think it was that far off Britain, to be I honest. You could even argue that it was better than Britain. <clears throat> it was better than Britain. It felt less... Like, I mean, well, obviously right at the bat, shockingly, we got the same result <laughs> that we've got all year. Max Verstappen won. Hey, but... Perez has won two races. Come on now. Don't do my man Checo like that. But at that point, that's such. this is such a given that in some respects, obviously any race that he doesn't, we could literally watch a race with zero overtakes, but Max Verstappen DNFs on the last lap, and I'd probably be like, "Oh, that's the second best race in the year." <laughs> as long as it's not sorry, as long as it's not like Perez wins, if like Norris or something wins it, boom, instant classic. Let's be honest, Perez would win that though. We, I mean, like keep that one. I believe oh, it was Toto Wolff who came out and said that he feels like it's a, a paddock of F two cars racing against an F one car. Obviously, talking about the Red Bull. Honestly, 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 I mean, though, and I haven't revisited that, but I need to double check back in on our Formula One point five. But can we get Formula One point two five yeah. going? Just everyone but yeah, Red Bull. Yeah. yeah. Um, because Formula One point two five. That's now that is saucy. It's bloody insane. But unlike unlike Britain, which obviously Max won, and like other stuff around him was very interesting. But like Max was pretty clear and. You knew Max was winning that race for the whole race. I mean, he had he had a lot of obstacles to kind of over. Oh, sorry, yeah, you were talking about a different one, my bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this one, this one, he did at least. There was at least tantalized. Well, there was about two laps there where I thought maybe Max wouldn't. When uh, obviously <laughs> a whole it was, two it was, laps. Wow. It was quite. Well, that's two laps more than most weekends. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was very wet this weekend in Zandvoort. Um. Uh, I don't remember whether it was wet. I don't think it was wet, too wet for quality and that, but, like, uh, the F1... Oh, it was drying, I think. They started out on inches in quality, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, nevertheless... Yes, it started damp, then it got dry. Yes. Um, then I think it got wet again towards the, the end. The sprint race uh, for Formula 2 basically ended up not taking place because it was quite, quite wet, and then people are quite ran into things and there was lots of red flag and we just ran out of time and it was uh the start of a 
very strange weekend in Formula 2, but that will be tomorrow's show. Yes. But it was also mixed conditions throughout Grand Prix Sunday. It, uh, well, they all started on dry, and then it started raining. It, like so five, five a, turns in, it just bucketed down. Then there was a scramble, then it was dry for quite a while, and then there was rain again at the end, which made things a little bit interesting. And then we'll get into the existence of wet weather tires uh, as well. <laughs> Sorry, but, what, what are those? What? what are yeah, you? apparently, yeah. Well, ask us where knock on. He, he's an expert. Uh, yeah. He is an expert on wet weather tyres. Uh, but yeah, obviously those first few laps, Perez was the first sort of one to make the jump, came straight in, put the inters on. And yeah, it was heavy enough that even one extra lap out on slicks, Perez was already like seven, eight seconds a lap. Well, not even that. He was like seven, eight seconds flush from the first half of the lap. So he ended up coming out. He went from like, what, he started like seventh or eighth or something? Um, and uh, I think he was at least seventh because we seventh, had yeah, we had seventh. an entirely unique top six. He started so he was seventh. seventh, and Piastri was eighth because then there was the two uh, guys who didn't set a lap time. Yes, Sergeant and Leclerc. Leclerc. Oh, yep, him. Leclerc. Um, but yeah, so Perez like came out. I went from like yeah seventh to about what fourteen seconds up the road for Max, and so for a little bit you're like you know if he's there's been times this year where Max has only, what, you know, been six-tenths of a lap faster than Sergio or whatever and slowly pulled out to win by ten seconds or something. Yeah. Uh, so if it was one of those, that would have taken him a while to close up. And if that's the kind of uh, time difference, that's not necessarily enough of an overlap to guarantee an overtake once he caught him. And we're like, oh, mm. okay. Uh, very quickly, you're like, oh, he's taking two to three to four seconds a lap out of Perez. Well, this will... Oh, look at that, he's winning. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I, but, but but for that one brief one or two laps before we got to see just how quick, uh, much quicker Max was on the Inters, there was a moment where you're like, oh, hello. Uh, I believe and, it was uh, lap seven that Max finally got a second after all the pit shenanigans and a few overtakes. Yes. A nice one on Pierre Gasly that was a little bit... A little bit virulent, shall we say, but still nice nonetheless. And he was 10 seconds behind Checo at that point in time. And then by lap 11, he was only three seconds behind his Mexican teammate. So, yes. Yes, it was, it was rather um, a dominant stint on the Inters from Verstappen. But it still meant there was other things. And, yeah, the other big thing... Ironically, it's going to be a lot of the teams and drivers... Well, not the drivers, because I don't think it was... It's going to be the teams that are we're probably going to be most critical of for getting this race tactically wrong. We're also the ones that made it the most compelling because obviously yeah. tactical errors put uh, the Mercedes, the McLarens, and at various times, Alex Albon, uh, yeah. who will just right off the bat, Alex Albon, MVP of the weekend by a country mile. Uh, I wouldn't say country mile. Definitely a fantastic effort by Albon, but there are a lot of guys who put out outstanding efforts, I thought. I'm saying by country mile. He's the MVP of the season. Honestly, put Alex Albon in Verstappen's seat. Along, what about Pierre Gasly getting a podium from 12th, brother? <sighs> yeah, but uh, was that Pierre Gasly or was that the team getting it right? I'm talking about what he, Alex Albon oh was doing God. in that car in spite of his team. You gotta, you gotta be there or thereabouts to 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 get uh, to make the most of your opportunity. And Gasly was fantastic. Alonso was fantastic. Lawson made the most of his debut. I thought there was some very uh, Liam Lawson was a comfortable last. Calm dead to say he's in the same conversation as Alex Albon. Wait, as it last from the entire grid? Are you what, mate? If they crashing cars don't count, he didn't beat a single driver on track. Are you stupid? He wasn't ahead of it. Oh, wait, did Sonoda go behind him with his time penalty? He finished 13th. Did he? Yes. 
Wow, I must have. Oh, I must. I just zone out the. Uh, Rewatch the, the race, you no, daft no, buffoon. No, he must. Have, he must have come forward at the end a bit. Fair enough. My God. He was last for a long time. This and is I what I have just... to work with, people. Jesus Christ. Oh, well, I am sorry. At least I didn't start the show by saying I don't know how much energy I'm going to bring today. So that's what I have to work oh, with. Jesus. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, look, the best form of support is uh, no sympathy until you just get over it. That's, you're a that's bad my policy. Friend. You're a you're a bad friend. But you buried I the am... lead. Aren't we supposed to start with qualifying? I'm I'm circling back. At the moment, I'm still just talking about what made this race interesting, and then I'll circle back to qualifying. All just right, smash it out then. Go on. But uh, yeah. They were the McLaren, the McLarens, and Mercedes, and Albon. We we happily we got the five cars along with the Red Bulls, who probably are actually capable of an overtake at Zandvoort. Yeah. Or the five cars out of position, which meant we got plenty of overtakes. Yeah, lots of lots of fun uh, battles. Really so it was a good fun, stuff. good fun that. But yeah, so qualifying, as uh, you've said, and we said it was a mixed conditions qualifying session. I think the first two sessions were done on intermediates, and then a couple of them came out on inters for Q three, and then basically went around for like literally an installation lap, and was like, mm, "This is quite dry. Let's put some slicks on instead." Mm. Uh, let me pull up qualifying results. There was a few a few little shocks in uh, qualifying. I thought Lawson uh, equated himself okay. He obviously ended up over a second, one point two seconds behind Valtteri Bottas, but there was a few moments where he was not too far. Austin Oda, and you kind of always expecting him. He's probably gonna get. I mean, he, he literally was thrust into the car in FP three. Oh, and, like, exactly. He didn't have time to get... He's not even not even had the benefit of the Friday. Yeah. He's in what is comfortably the worst car of the year. Um, sorry, on the year. So it's not saying it's not like the like when DeVries was in that car last. Uh, sorry, DeVries was in a Williams last year that wasn't necessarily the absolute worst car. Yes, and. His reference point in terms of his own team was Latifi, and considerably nicer conditions. It's funny because yes. I was like, "Well, this is Zandvoort now, and then we're coming to Monza." And I believe it was Monza that De Vries raced in last year, right? Oh, mate, don't ask me. Nice coincidence there. Very happy coincidence. Uh, a little quinky dink, um, if you will. But yeah, so Sonoda is a much, much higher reference point than uh, Nicholas Latifi was. Certainly at the last uh, last year point of Nicholas Latifi's career. So him getting a bit dusted by Sonoda, I don't think there's any real shame in that. And yeah, like getting beaten by everyone else again, as we said, he's in. It's the worst car this year, so that's kind of to be expected. He ended up beating Yuki on race day, uh, along with Valtteri Bottas, Kevin Magnussen, and yes. George Russell. A lot more circumstances that did go into that, but yes, uh, namely the fact that AlphaTauri. Fucked over Yuki so hard with one yes. of the dumbest strategy, probably the dumbest strategy call of the day, which is impressive because Ferrari forgot to bring tires out to the pit lane, <laughs> and AlphaTauri still made a worse blunder. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's brutal. Uh, there was there was a lot of good action coming out of Italy uh, this weekend. Uh, sorry. Oh right, yes, of course. Alpha Tower and based, Ferrari are based in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Right, come on, you got to think in the fifth dimension. <laughs> uh, You're in also, the fifth dimension. Have you been trying fucking hallucinogenics or something? Like, what's going on? Yeah, man. I know. I've just been chewing a lot of five gum. Oh, it yes. stimulates your senses. <laughs> 
We should get five gum to sponsor the podcast. I reckon <laughs> yeah, that's I'll get straight on that. I'll give I'll give Mister Gum a call. I still think you should hit up Raid Shadow Legends. I reckon they would. They they sponsor literally anything. I guarantee you, we could get Raid Shadow Legends sponsoring us if we did a couple of ad reads every episode. Don't knock it till you try it. Might as well. No time like the present ever to go. The other four drivers who joined Liam Wilson going out in Q1. Valtteri Bottas, that Alfa Romeo continues to be quite sad. Kevin Magnussen, mm. which is pretty much a foregone conclusion most weeks now. Esteban Ocon, which is definitely a surprise. He just, yeah, they I don't know, got their timing wrong. Just couldn't hook up enough grip uh, in those wet conditions. Mm. Uh, and Zhou Guan Yu, the other man going out. Yes. But I think Q2 was probably where the biggest surprise lay, we'd have to agree. Uh, Hulkenberg and Sonoda, 15th and 14th. But the man... And I already knew a few of the cars who had made it into Q3 when I was watching it. And so I'm sitting there looking at Lewis Hamilton, hmm. having finished his lap time and having finished and where he's sitting... And he pops up to eighth or something, and I'm like, well, I know one guy gets ahead of him at least. And I watch a couple of guys who weren't that man jump in front of him, and then he gets to P10, and I'm like, well, the guy I know is in Q3 is still not in the top 10. So, yes. uh, Lewis is in trouble here. Uh, he ended up P13. Yeah. Uh, behind Pierre Gasly. Got impeded a fair bit. Lance um, Stroll. Yeah, there was a few in, impeding moments that went on. It was all about, yeah, you needed to cross that line at the right time and just be able to hook the car up. It just wasn't wasn't quite there for him in qualifying. But he would bounce back very, very well on the Sunday. Yes, he would. Be said. Uh, which meant, in a huge upset, Logan Sargent mm. became the first American... In Q3, and I think something like 15 or more 30 years, years or something. 30, 30 years. No, sorry, it was 30 years. I was going to say, I was like, I don't think any of the... Scott Speed never made Q fucking 3. Um, and he's got speed in his name. Yeah, so first American in the top 10 in over 30 years. First time Williams has had both cars in Q3 in quite a while. Since Monza 2017, lad. Wowee. Mm. Yes, every every good thing to Williams has basically stopped happening since they took Martini off the car. Yeah, it's all bloody Latifi's fault with his fucking Lavazza sponsorship. <laughs> alcohol coffee, is better for you than coffee. Coffee just doesn't compare to alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. You heard it here first, folks. It's hot takes with the boys. <laughs> And yeah, definitely, like, Sargent's probably the highlight of his season so far, that Q3 appearance, I'd uh, say. Yeah, and then in uh, more of a uh, fittingness of his season, he promptly put it in the fence. Yep. Yeah, uh, Sargent <laughs> found the fence a lot this weekend. He was in love with the fence. <laughs> Which was uh, unfortunate Gave us an all-time him, meme in the process, eventually. Yeah, a Q3 appearance is a Q3 appearance, so I think Logan will take it. And it is a sign of progress, both for him and also based on the other thing. Obviously, at this point, it still does feel like they've got their tracks and when it's their tracks and that. But mm -hmm. when it is a Williams circuit, genuinely, the only car that I would not... when it's Yeah, when it is a Williams circuit, the only car I'd outright say, you know, they can't beat that, is the Red Bull. They can beat every yeah. other car on the track on their circuit. Yeah. I it mean... is... Really impressive. Albon was flirting with a top three there for a little bit. I got Absolutely. pipped at the end by George, but he yeah very qualified close. qualified P four and showed really strong pace again in mm. the race. Um, 
so yeah, the fact that Sargent's able to get that car into P10 means that it's, this is, obviously, there's a huge part of this is Alex Albon just continues to be ultra, ultra impressive. I'm absolutely in the camp. I would love to see him win at Williams. I would love to see him stay with Williams and then continue tracking in the right direction. Mm. But there is every chance that the steps they try to take for next season prove to be in the wrong direction and they horrifically regress again. So if the opportunity is there, I hope no one begrudges Albon making the jump to a top team if something's on offer there. Because mm, well, it uh, won't I, be Red Bull, I'll tell you that for free. No, it won't be Red Bull. Um, but yeah, I, I hope the opportunity is there for Albon because he deserves to be up there truly competing because he has, he has come of age so much this season. Yeah. Um, he's a genuine joy to watch on track, but it is obviously more than just Albon being brilliant in that car. Cause yeah, if Sargent's getting up into P10, then there was, there was just genuine pace in that Williams, uh, this weekend. Charles Leclerc, he was the other man who I believe found the barriers. In Leclerc! Q3. Charles Leclerc has gone off! Oh, bless. Crofty was in peak form this weekend. He, he, yeah, he was. Uh, he, so, Leclerc do be doing that. Um, big whack, big understeer for, for Charles. I mean, the, yes. from what I can tell, the car is just tits. Like, I think I think the quote is that it, he just doesn't know whether it's going to oversteer or understeer coming into any corner, basically. Which, he uh, was. And if you thought, yeah, if you thought crashing and qualifying P9 was bad, just wait till you watched his Sunday, because, oh. Uh-huh. Mate. I'll tell you what, you know who's fucking going to fall out of love and retire from Formula 1 out of nowhere to play tennis? It's not Lance Stroll, it's, it's Charles Leclerc. He's oh, just yeah. going to give up. Yeah, because he's, like, he's locked into that Ferrari like, car And obviously that, he, not only was he getting overtaken by literally everybody, irrespective of car on the Sunday, there was a point there where he suddenly found himself being raced by debutante Liam Lawson in the worst car on the grid. Yeah. And it actually, and I honestly reckon Lawson might have overtaken him if Leclerc hadn't have pitted. Yeah, the, the direct quote is I'm getting into the corner and I have zero ideas whether I'm going to have huge understeer or huge oversteer, which is pretty diabolical. And obviously, that that moment in the first lap, I mean, like a bunch of guys pitted, not not as many as I kind of expected. I think the narrow pit lane played a part in that. Yes. Who was it? Uh, only Perez, Joe, Leclerc, Gasly, Yuki, Lawson, and K Mag pitted on the first lap when it was literally bucketing down like a monsoon. But yeah, the fact that Ferrari didn't have the actual tires ready to go is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And the memes have been top tier shit. I'd give it a pass, but clearly everybody else was ready. Literally everybody else, yes. Even Alpha Tauri, who were a and if And if it was Charles Call and that, yep. I mean, fine. But you should probably should even... You should just be there ready on standby, I think, because you're seeing rain coming. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like bucketing down rain and the Ferrari pit crews are just like, oh, fuck, this is crazy weather, eh? Oh, yeah, this is oh, madness. Anyone, anyone got a uh, couple of sticks? We'll play some poo sticks, but... Uh... <laughs> Oh god, it's just madness. Um, but moving up the grid, a uh, little bit of an underwhelming qualifying for Oscar. It has to be said compared compared to Lando's. I mean, he was only eight tenths off, but he's had better reference points to Lando this season down mm-hmm. in P eight. Perez P seven, and then we had an entirely unique uh, six manufacturers mm-hmm. in the top six, which was very nice to see. But not in the order you'd probably expect. It was Carlos Sainz down in P six. Uh, the old-timer, Fernando Alonso, the only man, I think, 
probably yeah he's probably the only man over the age of 30 in the entire top six how old is carlos Sainz these days it's about max's always no he's a bit older than that carlos Sainz is 28 there you go he was the only man there you go so carlos Sainz, next oldest man in the top six at 28 years of age aston martin proved me right bring in the packages get the job done if you kick out, obviously, I mean, with Alonso and Perez there, I'm sure the average age of the top 10 is like 31 or something. But if you take oh, them yeah. out, the average age of the top 10 would have been like 24. Because yeah. the other three, obviously, Piastri, Leclerc, and Sargent. Leclerc's like yep. maybe 26 now. Piastri is 22, and Sargent's what, 21, 20? Oh, 22, that probably. sounds about right. Um, but yeah, so top four, Alex Albon, who, as you said, was flirting with her, even even a front row, but certainly a top three... Uh, quality spot was just pipped at the end by George Russell, mm. finally having a stronger weekend, it looked like, than uh, Lewis. <laughs> P- P2. Boy, that definitely is... I mean, everyone's taking the piss out of it, but I, I understand his thought and what he meant in that. Definitely the quote of the weekend was, I was forecast for a podium. What yes. the fuck is happening, guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not wrong. Like, he should definitely be getting a podium from there. And it just, yeah. It's happening, though. He's becoming that Mercedes whiny driver. It's happening. And understandably, because he's getting fleeced, but... Uh, I, yeah. Have a, have a soup. I, I didn't see that one as particularly whiny. More of just a, no, no, please explain. Like, I genuinely yeah, always, like... What the fuck? Uh, Lando P2, and unsurprisingly, by six-tenths of a second, it was Max Verstappen on pole. Mm-hmm. There was a cute little moment where I sort of believed that Lando could take it, but uh, no, no. It'll come. I genuinely... I think we can now say this. McLaren is here to stay for the rest of the season. Yeah. Despite even what Lando's to Lando, good on him. Downplayed things and that. But the McLaren's definitely here to stay. I think there's a genuine chance. I'm not sure what track it'll come at, but I think there's a chance the McLaren um, could find itself on pole some race this year. Maybe Lando will get a win this season. Uh, my other my other hot take is watch me predict Alex Albon for pole this weekend um, <laughs> in Monza because that car that Williams it's a rocket ship, brother. Line. Also, I'm gonna pick a bloody AlphaTauri to uh, qualify in the top ten because. Fuck yeah. That just Yuki was Yuki was one of the hardest men to overtake on track. Not because that I'm pretty sure if you got Yuki out of the way, they said they would have all been like four seconds a lap faster than him, but there's only two overtaking opportunities yeah. and he's quick in a straight line. So you just sat and watched Hamilton and Norris just sit behind him lap after lap after lap and I was like, This is Yeah. He he loves it. He loves it when Hamilton's behind him. Whenever Hamilton's behind him, he just whips out a massive defensive driving masterclass he did make a couple of mistakes uh later on i think like against ocon i want to say yeah uh, for the most part yuki was really really impressive and got got fucked over by his team unfortunately indeed uh so let's moving on to the race let's start by you know what let's start by just talking about those first couple of laps and all the different various different ways teams fell strategy wise and sort of where it set everyone up for the race itself because obviously within a couple of laps uh no one was well Well, there you go i've got this graphic up here obviously so i've just run you through the starting grid this is what it was like after lap five instead perez was leading ahead of joe gasly verstappen leclerc which is hilarious uh alonso signs sonoda in p8 magnuson p9 uh, he was up 11 spots. Should be said, Joe was up 13 spots to P2. Ocon in 10th. Then Lawson, Norris, Hamilton, 
Albon, Piastri, Russell, Bottas, Hulkenberg, Stroll, and Logan Sargent. I'll go to you. Who, which team, which driver, or whatever, where do you want to start in terms of various different strategy calls and, you know, what, what did you think was good? What did you think was bad? What do you maybe, like, understand? Go, okay, that was wrong, but you understand it now. And what was just, like, egregiously like, I can't believe they went that way. Yeah, look, look I, I, like I said, I was surprised that so few drivers pitted first lap because it was shitting down buckets, but... Zanvoort has such a narrow pit lane yeah. that it's 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 hard to. I think AlphaTauri were the only team who double pitted, and that was you know Lawson started at last. So, yeah, were you were you watching with commentary at that point? Uh, sort of. So I watched this race uh, live, but I was also playing uh, Baldur's Gate three with the boys at the time, um, and was heavily inebriated. So I didn't necessarily take in a whole lot of the content. Uh, here and there. Uh, rewatched it this morning though, um, in oh, mini good form. Man. Good so man. you know, no, that's fair. Well, just because yeah, Crofty was making a similar sort of thing, just talking about with the with the nature of this pit lane. And obviously, mm. in, in our F two, they actually had a rule this weekend: you could not pit under VSC or safety car because yeah. of the smallness of the pit lane. Uh, so mm. you're sort of saying, yeah, maybe a few teams not just wanted to come in on that first lap with everybody to avoid all the chaos and that, and thinking maybe because yeah. it was still it had just started raining that ah. Uh, oh, Maybe there's still one more lap where the slicks could be about comparable and we dodge the chaos and that. That wasn't the right call. It, it, within the space of those literally like a minute, uh, it skewed so far to you need to be on inters that obviously yes. it was everybody who pitted that first lap. Perez, Joe, Gasly. Making big strides. Well, Perez was fucking like lightning. He was, he just overtook but everyone. He he was gone by a mile. But yeah, to mm-hmm. have everyone all shake out, and you're sitting there watching. Joaquin Yu is ahead of Max Verstappen in a race <laughs> where they have pitted the same number of times. Yeah, that was awesome to see. Jo, Interesting. Joe continues to show impressive little flashes here and there. It's, it's absolutely, kind of he, he has his moments. He continues. He absolutely should retain that seat for next season. There Agreed. is no reason. He is. Uh, he should go. Bye byes. Um, I was also impressed by how well kind of Alonso navigated the wets while on his slicks, because he stayed out, I want to say, till lap three. Um, yeah, I think he might have done one more, and he didn't fall back as far as you would have thought, did he? No, no, he, he actually, he, he gained places, was up to P2 for a little bit there. Not really nice move on George Russell, it must be said. There was some fantastic overtakes. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, talking just the start, he had a great start. Really great start. Yes, but um, yeah, just a, a little shout out to the guys who stayed out till lap six on their slicks despite the wetness. So Albon, Piastri, Bottas, Oakenberg. Uh, uh, Albon never pitted at all. There you go. Well, yes. So th- I'm just by lap six. These are the guys who hadn't pitted yes. yet, and obviously Albon continued, uh, and Sergeant as well had not pitted at that point in time. Odd. Yes. Odd decision by William, those teams. William. So Williams and. Uh, McLaren were the two that, well, for the longest time, committed to just not pitting. Mercedes sort of went long as well. Uh, and then, obviously, they came first with Hamilton. Russell, they out, and that's how Russell ended up dropping 10 spot, 13 spots. So, yes. by ah. that point. Oh, so, yeah, Red Bull played it pretty smart. They just went, no, nah, we're up the front, we'll pit. Fair enough. Perez, obviously, straight at the end of lap one. Just happened at the end of lap two. Yeah, the one the ones I want to focus on are obviously the ones who swerved away. So McLaren, William, Williams more so with the Albon car than the Sergeant car. I think 
both of us would have been surprised if Sargent remained in that 10th position in yes. any set of conditions uh, over the course of the race distance. But obviously, Albon from P4, you're expecting points. Yep. And there was definitely times in this race where you're like, they've fucked that away. Uh, and then obviously, McLaren Hamilton was very vocal to the Mercedes guys that we should have gone earlier than we did. Oh, so, so wet. But, sir, but Toto, it's so wet. Please, yeah. please, Toto. Um, the biggest thing for me with all three of these teams, and where I'm most surprised is, particularly, yeah, uh, well, oh, that's McLaren, oh, sorry, Mercedes kind of did, because Hamilton ended up pitting notably earlier than George did. Um, but I'd probably say, it's just weird for me, particularly at McLaren, that they didn't at least, like, split the cars. Like, if you're feeling like, because, okay, I get the original logic here is, or this isn't going to be too much rain. It's only going to be around for 10 minutes. If we can hang out for long enough, the slicks will come good and we will get a free pit stop. The problem was one of those situations like um, when we talked about the uh, F3 race in Belgium where the, there was the splits, half the field was on the wets, half the field was on the dries and it was obviously other oh, track will get dry. And I mean, the very, very end it did. That's all well and good. Unless you're losing, like, 10 seconds a lap, in which case it only takes two laps, and you've gone outside a pit stop distance, and now it's all null and void. And it kind of was at that point, uh, helped a bit by, I think a safety car came out, did it not? The safety car came out lap 16, courtesy of... Yeah, so so it was, okay, deep around. Um, and I actually think in the end, once they'd gone... So that's that's what I was a bit surprised by. If you've got that, and fair enough, you want to go, but surely you at least... Well, A, ask the drivers, and if your drivers are saying, I'd like to come in, but surely you box one of them, whether that's go... I don't know who you gamble with, whether you go, oh, we'll leave Piastri out because he was in a little bit worse of a position, and we're not sure whether this is definitely the right call, whether if you really feel like, no, I think staying on the drives is the better idea, mm. okay... Obviously, it would have fucked overnight, but you leave Norris out there because you still think this is right. And from Norris's position, if that was the right call, it would have put Norris in the lead of the race. Yep. But you pit Piastri just in case you're wrong, and at least you've got one car that's still good short up there in the points. That's what Alfa Romeo did. They left Bottas out, but they pitted Joe early. Yeah, I just don't quite that. But what I get even less is... Because this thing, obviously, Williams made the same incorrect call. They didn't bring Albon at all. But Williams get huge points for massive BDE. They just backed themselves in. <laughs> they went, okay, got that wrong. We're fucked. We've, we're fucked down now. We're all the way down in 14th. We lost 10 spots. Track's going to start drying. Let's just leave them out there. Yeah. And Albon actually rose back up to the point when that safety car came out. And Albon then went full. To the, honestly, how many more times does this have to happen before... Alex, well, actually, there's a question. Who do we think is more synonymous with uh, tire life, Perez or Albon? At this point, <laughs> it's still Perez for now. It's still Perez. Yeah, How Albon. many more times does Albon have to do it before he yeah. truly takes over as the guy who you associate with just getting insane tire life? He the did like what forty something laps of the seventy-two lap race on that set of softs. On softs, exactly. Madness. And more so, he did it on that opening stint. That's it. It's always the further you go into the race, the easier it is to do a long stint because you've got less fuel on the car, less tire weight, more of that. Like tire life will just get better as a race goes on. He did a huge stint on those softs mm-hmm. in the harder part of the race to manage them. 
Um, he now has um, he did. three top tens in six races and has pushed yes. Williams further ahead of Haas, so awesome stuff. Yeah, but yeah, so by, by fully committing into it and the fact that the guys who, you know, they weren't crazy miles behind as it sort of started to stabilise and the lap times were similar, as A, then lap time screwed back to the slick's favour and he started to move forward. He was two or three seconds a lap faster than people. And then everybody who was in frame to pitch of him, he jumped them all. Slotted himself back up to P7, which yeah. obviously I was like, oh, how far out of sequence will he fall? Because he'll obviously drop way back down when he pits and that. And the answer was, not at all, because he ran so fucking long, he just put himself back in sequence. And <laughs> what, he finished P8 in the end, did he? Yeah, P8. Got four points. So he dropped all of one spot after all of that, and I believe that one spot would have been to George Russell. Yeah. Effectively. And so George had a day, obviously. Williams, oh no, because George didn't even finish, did he? So no, he must. He might have lost. Uh, George did like... finish, but he finished last on track. Yes, that's right. Because he, uh, that was, that was the one last kick in the dick. As Russell finally looked like he also had resurrected his race, and then just oh, I'm out. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Never mind. But yeah, Williams backed themselves in, and it worked. And so I actually think, as much as, you know, I have questions of what could have been for Williams if they'd lap one pitted with Albon. Was there a podium available here? I think, I think his performance could easily have been comparable to Alonso, based on what we'd seen in Colin. I think he would have been in that mix. Well, actually, you know, you know what? Pierre Gasly finished third in this race. I think Alex Albon beats Pierre Gasly if they pit on the first lap. Simple as that. Quite possibly, yes. So, I tend to agree. Albon is um, fantastic. Obviously, same goes for Norris and that. But, yeah. but Williams made the best of it. McLaren definitely... Struggled a bit more. They went eventually went to the Inters much too late. That, that put them further back. They obviously then had to go back to Slicks as well. Yeah. Uh, Piastri was one of the earlier jumpers, I think, which did help him come forward for a while there. But, um, yeah, McLaren was languishing very low top 10 for basically the whole race or just outside of mm. it. Piastri would have missed out on points if it wasn't for Russell's unfortunate late race puncture. No, Piastri finished ninth, so... Uh, didn't that wasn't that because Sonoda got a no? Did someone not get a time penalty that dropped them behind him? Maybe. Uh, perchance I don't believe so. Maybe not. I thought he was running P eleven at the time of Russell's incident, but I could be wrong. You might have made had a late race overtake. Who knows? Uh, yeah, Norris seventh and, and Piastri ninth, so a couple of um, cheeky points there. The wait, was Ocon ahead of him? Esteban Ocon. Yeah, where did Ocon finish? Uh, 11th. No, 12th, maybe? Oh, okay. Because there, there was a point relatively race late in the... Well, obviously, there was plenty of points early in the race. There was a point late in the race. I've... Yeah. Maybe oh, no, I'm Ocon, thinking Ocon finished 10th, so there you go. Okay, so maybe he got past Ocon. Mm. Um, after, I think I'm thinking where he was running just before the red flag. Uh... Quite possibly. There but were yeah, lots there of was, restarts so mul- in this race. It, it, it's yes, a hard there was one to multiple, nail down. multiple points in this race where both Alpines were actually running ahead of the McLarens, and I was sitting mm. like, wow, who would have guessed that Alpine would actually claw... And they obviously did, because Gasly came third. But who would have guessed that this was a weekend where Alpine was going to claw back the, some of the deficit to McLaren, particularly oh, after mate. Norris qualified P2? Otmar was the problem. It's a fact. <laughs> Done. I mean, you can make the argument the Alpine car looked faster than the Ferrari car this weekend. Sainz actually said that uh, publicly. Um, so, I think it did. Yeah. Ferrari uh, continues to stoop to incredible lows. We've already obviously talked about it. Before they finally just DNF'd him because, well, Lord knows why, but he still want to be out there. Mm. That's the, once they got onto the slicks, 
Charles Leclerc just basically dropped like a stone. Just everybody was faster than him. Well, he he had contact with I think it was Piastri in the first lap, which damaged his floor. Okay. So that'll there that'll is a factor because, yeah. here at play. Still, still, even that's a lot to speed. A Ferrari getting overtaken by the Haases, the Alfa Romeos. As I said, Lawson was gonna pass him if it wasn't for Leclerc coming into the pits. That's a, that's an alarming sight if you're a Ferrari fan. Very alarming, very alarming. There are issues in Italy, for sure. Um, but I, look, honestly, just it props to Alpine uh, for this, not necessarily a resurgence, but you know they have gained points on, on McLaren. Gasly scored, what, 15 points this weekend, which is nearly half of what he had scored in the previous yeah, 12 races this combined. Is a huge, this was a huge weekend for Gasly, not just because he got yeah. the podium, regardless of the podium, because obviously there was two guys who hugely benefited from, well, I mean, obviously Perez, but like Perez was further up there, and you're probably still backing Perez to drive past people if it'd been a normal race anyway. The two yeah. guys who got a huge uncharacteristic benefit from the conditions and that jump in on lap one were Joe and Gasly. Yeah. And they were the two who you're like, hmm, these guys are wildly out of position. Let's <laughs> see where they shake up. And obviously, Joe slowly but surely fell back through the field and was outside the points at the time of his incident, which we'll come to shortly. Gasly. Never dropped out of the top five, yep. and thanks to being faster than signs and getting past him on track, and Perez's late race time penalty, mm-hmm. inherited P3 yeah. and got a podium. Got to be there to get the points, he, and he, he put looked, it there, and he stayed consistent in this, difficult conditions and kept kept it there all race. It was very impressive. Yeah, His best performance in years, I reckon. I was about to say, outside of, because obviously he had, he podiumed the um, Belgium sprint race, didn't he? Yes. But that's a sprint race. Yes. A little bit of a different... In terms of the actual Grand Prix, this is probably the first time Pierre Gasly has looked like true COVID vintage Gasly mm. since since COVID. It was his um, first proper podium since twenty twenty one. I don't think he I don't think he showed any of it last year, and he's been yet to show it this year at Alpine. This is the first time that you're like, okay, this is the Pierre Gasly that mm. we were talking about saying a deserves a top seat, like we are Albon now. And this is the Gasly who obviously won a race, was consistently going, wow, this guy is maybe a top five driver on the grid, despite being at AlphaTauri. Yeah. He um, is now a so, point ahead of Ocon as well. So. Yeah, that was good to see. And genuinely, because I do, I like the guy. He's a very likable young He's man. He's lovely. Um, I hope this gives him the confidence to turn things around. I still like, Alpine's not catching McLaren. And unfortunately, the deficit to Ferrari is so big, they're probably not catching Ferrari either. But if Gasly can close out this season, scoring points in more Grand Prix than he doesn't, mm. I think that gets a tick. That's a win. That's a step in the right direction and sets them up good for next season. And I definitely for Gasly, you, he wants to win. You, you, know, you want to see him winning that teammate battle with Ocon. If he's going to reaffirm himself as a, I am a top 10 driver on this grid and I am someone that the big team should look at if a seat does open up in future. We'll make a call. Who wins the battle, Ocon or Gasly? I think Gasly. He's definitely nice. been the one with the, with this, and also as I said, the sprint race podium in Belgium. He's just got a higher I, higher ceiling. I still maybe think the floor is higher for Ocon. He doesn't normally have absolute miserable weekends. If it wasn't like he's been pretty lethargic this. though this season, Ocon. There's, he hasn't had the highs that he had last year. That's the thing. Stretch. Gasly at the moment seems to have a higher ceiling, and I just think. 
that may get in there. Like, if he has a couple more fringe top fives in that, that could be enough. That So I'm, I'm going to back Gasly to have turned the corner, but I think uh, Gasly probably brings it home. Mm. I don't actually know what the difference... Did you say he's a point ahead? One he's point, point, yes, ahead. he's 37. Okay, so it is basically they're coming from exactly the same spot. One, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm pretty confident Piastri will beat both of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tend to Despite agree. having fallen back behind Gasly this weekend. Do you think they get ahead of Stroll, who's currently 10 points ahead of Gasly? Uh, both both the Alpines, or Piastri does. I think they probably do. Mm. Um, Stroll has been struggling a bit. This was a, also, I think, a good bounce-back weekend for, well, for Alonso more so than... Stroll, but for Alonso and a bit Aston Martin. Definitely Aston um, Martin. I, I think they only upgraded uh, Alonso's car. Okay, well, we'll see what happens when those upgrades hit Strolls. Because, yeah, they definitely... He looked back to being okay. Like, the last few races, he's not... Well, certainly not looked competitive with the McLarens. He's not really even looked competitive with the Mercedes. He's sort of been sitting there mm. as maybe just a step above the Ferraris. And then, thanks to the Ferrariness, he's not really got to worry about them yeah. he was back to he was right on pace with the mclarens with the mercedes and yeah. with alex albon big, big albonio so yeah just before we probably move forward to the other fascinating conclusion to this race in terms of stuff that was going on sort of through the midsection and that is there anyone else other team strategy calls incidents that you want to draw a bit of focus to you know what i mean if you yeah. want to talk a bit more about alonso himself Oh, look, so Alonso um, broke the record. He broke Schumacher's record for the longest uh, gap between first and last podium in his career. Yes. And obviously, I think Alonso will probably get some more podiums. Yes, I think he will break, start breaking his own record with semi, semi at least every second race, probably. Yeah, exactly right. Year. He's, he's going to be in the conversation for the rest of the season, uh, regardless. But his, la- his first podium, his first career podium, two decades ago in your favorite track, Malaysia. Yes. Uh, was it? Oh, where's the actual number? Here it is. Seven thousand three hundred and ninety-nine days ago. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a Insane. big one. But I, I want to mention. So uh, you mentioned this, the first safety car came out lap sixteen. So Logan Sargent, obviously, best qualifying performance of his year, of his F one career thus far. But found the wall twice this weekend. Once in Q three. Oh, uh, I feel like he may have found it in practice as well. Three times. Jesus Christ, Logan! Come on, my brother. But um, in the, in this case, in the race, he claimed, you know you know the um Spider Man glasses meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puts yeah. on glasses and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's actually Mick Schumacher. <laughs> oh God, yeah, he he needs to stop crashing the car. I mean, obviously we've talked about how rookies will fare in. Oh, in, in that's this. a that's a big brain idea you've got there. What if he just didn't crash? Yes, thank you, Matt. Appreciate no the worries. comment. Um, obviously we've talked a lot on this podcast about how rookies need to. It's one of the biggest things, right? Like, just don't don't cause these smaller teams mass. Not being the key to Mazepin. Financial strife. Um, obviously, this weekend it kind of has extenuating circumstances, and apparently this crash was due to something failing on the front right when he hit the curb there, which is a, a shame for Logan, but ended his race and, and gave us a unique photo, shall we say, of your boy Logan Sargent there sitting on the sidelines looking fucking depressed. Um, you know, I hope he's okay. But uh, F1 Troll, etc., all these accounts have been completely making mincemeat of him. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he can bounce back energy-wise because uh, the man looked despondent, to say the least, to have his race ended so quickly. Um, oh, what else was I going to say? Yeah, by lap, uh, by lap 11, everyone had gone back to slicks, and then it rained again. 
When did it rain again, Matt? Much later um, on. About would have been somewhere in the sixth. We got about six or seven laps after the red flag, so it probably started raining just mm. into the sort of sixty mark. Uh, well, Joe crashed on lap sixty-two, so let's say about lap sixty. It was sixty. Yeah, yeah. They were saying I was the teams were coming over the radio saying when this rain comes, it will be heavier. Yes. Uh, and so again, we saw a few different spots of when teams committed. Uh, a couple of guys went. A little bit later to jump on the inters, but they sort of all jumped on the inters. Mm. Uh, and the last wave—I can't remember who else came with him—but the last wave of cars to pitted included Esteban Ocon, and that was about two laps after it had probably started raining. <laughs> and Ocon, so you laugh at this, but actually Alpine was right. Mm. Alpine got done in by I think. We'll, we'll jump on this. That an interesting FIA call. Because okay. Alpine went straight to the wets, and Ocon was like, what are we doing? This isn't it. Within about half a lap of that, Ocon was the only car on the correct tyre. Yeah. And we saw that because basically everybody started going off at turn one until Joe went off so oh, far. Yeah. I mean, and you, know, so you look at that, and the, to the untrained eye, that would be like, well, he's a fucking Muppet. He's not. He just, Ocon, Joe would have got to turn one, pressed the brakes, and just went, oh, my car is no longer in contact with the surface of the road, which means brakes are redundant. Guess I'm just going into the barriers at why, 250 Why are teams so hesitant to chuck the wets on? Because the fact that only one guy chucked them on is is mental. I don't think it's necessarily... Because initially, for those cup, I mean, I, I actually don't think it's that. I don't think you should go all by that. Because when the guys pit, the first guys, first wave of guys to pit, at that point, the wet wasn't the right tire to go on. Hmm. And, right. you know, because initially it was it was starting to rain. It was easily still... We had a lap or two where it was definitely into conditions, but it just kept getting heavier and heavier. And I think if Joe had not fully hit the fence, if Joe had not beached in the fence, I think everybody's coming in for wets when they scramble back around. Yeah. Because it was very clearly no longer inters were getting... Clearing enough water so cars were starting to aquaplane. Um, if they'd not red flag the race, I think you see a wave of cars come in under the safety car to put on wets. Yeah. Because that's what they obviously had to be on. I think it just got, they knew it was going to be heavy, but it just got possibly a bit heavier than they maybe all prayed and hoped it would. And it maybe got a bit heavier and wetter quicker than they thought it would to mm. the point that, yeah, you know, I mean, because that's the thing. If, but if you pitted, if you'd be one of those guys like Verstappen and that, and we actually, yeah, again, Perez was the first one to jump. They left Verstappen out and were sort of trying to say, oh, we'll see if we can go a little bit longer. Actually, sorry, it was Verstappen was going, it's still kind of dry. And Red Bull was like, nah, pit. And credit, I think Verstappen pushed back once and then they're like, nah, pit. And credit, this is one of the reasons that Verstappen just went, okay, uh, if you really think I should pit, I will trust you and I will pit. Yep. And Lord knows that's a right call because Verstappen crashes within like four corners if he doesn't pit that lap. There's no way he had grip left on slicks. This is going to sound cynical, but there was a moment when a Red Bull went off track, uh, aquaplaned off track, and I was like, oh my God, has Max finally done it? Has he made a mistake? <laughs> and then it's, gonna... it's Perez. It was Perez, of course. It, it was, was Perez. Perez. It was obviously, yeah, no, it was obviously Perez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but for those first couple of laps, like if Perez is put on wet tyres... Forget about him when he aquaplanes. Sure, he doesn't aquaplane off there, but if he puts on wet tyres, he's probably already lost four or five spots because he would have been that much slower than the Inter guys from yeah. the laps there. That's why they didn't go to full wet. Now, the interesting decision here is obviously 
So Perez went off. I believe Bottas ran long but kept it out of the fence. I think one other guy did as well. And then, yeah, Joe arrived on the scene. And just uh, by that point, big conditions one. were gone. And he was just, as I said, he was a passenger. Props to Joe. Joe. When Joe crashes, Joe fucking goes for it, man. Yeah. So I don't even have a single word of criticism to say for Joe uh, for this no, crash. Because yeah, he, he just arrived and he was a passenger. There was nothing he could do. You watched it. That was one of the ones. He just gone. And like in those conditions as well. There is no grip on gravel. Gravel is not going to mm. stop you once it gets wet because it's no longer loose in that. It's, yep. you know, so you just slide across the top of it and he just, in he went. Yeah. Um, and so Safety Fire came out. Now, Red Bull made the truly interesting... Well, sorry, yeah. They put they made the very smart call because they knew they had, oh, we've got a full pit stop over guys here. Mm. Boom, let's pull in Max, put on the wet. That was definitely the right call. If for everyone else, because there was already a little bit where they said, oh, you know, the commentators were well, they might red flag it. Now, I was sitting here, and I will be someone who I will defend calls to red flag races to knock. Like, when we didn't go racing in Belgium, and everyone's like, oh, these are meant to be the best drivers in the world. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And we still saw it. We saw it, um, oh, we had something rained out not that long ago on that or like with that but we still see it in that and again it's like literally guys like a month and a half ago we were talking about that guy who died in like the formula renault crash or whatever yeah, in, Spa, yeah, yeah, exactly. in the pissing down rain there is a reason we don't race in these conditions and it's yeah. not necessarily because it's not the grip in it a lot of it just comes down to visibility it's not about yes, whether or not yes. there's grip with a wet tire it's whether or not you can fucking see and there are lots of drivers on. complaining about visibility in um and that is possibly one of the reasons why this did get red flagged. But I did feel like you probably could have tried running on wets to see if it was actually doable. Especially because, like, at this point, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I don't think an instant red flag needed to necessarily happen. I think you probably could have. Because it, it does raise a bit of a point. If we just simply a judge that, well, if it's wet enough to need wet tyres, it's too wet to race, why do we have wet tyres? Yes. There is, there is a little bit of that point. A lot of people have been saying that online, and we love the people online. You're all doing a great job. I do think this is one instance where, considering they didn't even try and give it a go for them to all be out there on wet tyres and be saying, hey, no, this is ridiculous, I thought they were maybe a little quick to row the foot throw the red flag in saying that red bull for not anticipating that was possibly what was about to happen and pitting perez when he was not a full pit stop clear of people mm. fucking idiots what were <laughs> they doing buffoonery I, I i i will defend the decision because i think you know it wasn't just joe going off i think you had yuki go off um obviously Perez I mentioned already there are a couple other guys who are aquaplaning around and, and going off track and like obviously if they give them an, the rest of the lap to to race and, and pit you could have another incident right yeah um, but okay the my point being there okay first of all if you red flag the race the cars don't just magically spawn in the pit lane they still got to drive yeah, around yeah, 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 yeah. and so you're saying safety what safety car, car and then go back. Yeah, because yeah. they got and that and obviously they had to safety car. Joe was in the fence. Yes, that was fine. Because that, that's the other thing. I don't think they leap. Now they possibly still do, but I don't think they leap straight to a red flag if Joe had cra- had you know if Joe had survived that like gone not deep enough to do his fully wedge, either hit the barriers and been out of drive off or just avoided them or something. 
I think they possibly will make it round to wet, and then possibly we do still continue. Possibly. Uh, especially I, with the field, I, I the field mind. a bit more spread it out. I don't think the visibility factor. That is one thing I'll say. Because we'd been hat to safety car, obviously the field was compressed. Visibility could have been a big issue on a restart. If it wasn't, it wouldn't have been as much of a factor with the field spread out. You've already had one guy break his metatarsal this weekend, so they're probably already kind of on caution. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're on caution because Daniel Ricciardo broke his metatarsal, I, I'm sorry that that is small minded. Like it plays into it. It plays into it. You gotta you gotta say. I first. don't. I don't think it does because a nothing life threatening about that. And if you're gonna worry about the fact that Dan Ricciardo hit the fence and broke his metatarsal, this is one occasion. Where I say with all due respect, just don't go car racing, man. Yeah, but it's 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 the it's the nature of the track as well. It's not it's, the particular. It's not the safest track, quite frankly. Oh, ab- absolutely. It's a real immolar out there. It's narrow defense. There's not a lot of runoff in a whole lot of areas. I I, I don't mind the safety first approach of, of going red flag in this one. I I had no issue yeah. with it. I just would have. I would have at least entertaining the possibility because like. I still don't think... I don't know. This wasn't Belgium levels of wet yet. It was possibly about to get there. And it, no, and of it course, dried back that's, up. That, so. is, that is the um, outlier. That that was insane. But even that, they still at least rolled out under the safety. So if you're willing to roll out under the safety car in Belgium, I think you could have tried green flag laps here on wet tyres. But regardless, they didn't... Again, Red Bull definitely should have anticipated that. Because I was already like, mm, well... And the commentators were sort of speculating it. And I was like, yeah, well, are they... Do they red flag this or something? Um, so, yeah, bringing Paris because that meant he started, what, P6 on the restart, because that's what he dropped down to. Uh, obviously, obviously, if they hadn't restarted the race, he would have been fine. They would have just taken it from a count of a lap previous, I believe, and he would have still been P2, P3. He'd already mm. been passed by Alonso. No, he'd been passed by Alonso because he'd run off the track. Yes. Uh, so he would have been P3, but instead he dropped down to P6, which is where he was for the restart. Uh, so it'd be red flag for a while, but the race would resume with everybody, I believe, on inters. Yep, everyone's on inters. Restart lap 66. Again, if wet tyres... Okay, you know what? That's a secondary thing. All right, if you feel it's already got too wet, sure, red flag the race. But, again, it, why do wet tyres exist if we're going to leave it red flagged until we're comfortable that it's dry enough for inters? Mm. You've got an entire compound of tyre that's just redundant. Yeah, that's a fair point. Surely, surely there's a point where you can go, okay, it's not absolute rivers running across the road, but there is standing water, it is too wet for an inter, but its conditions should be fine for a wet. Mm-hmm. Let's restart this race on wet. I just, I don't know. This is really a scenario where I think there are moments here where it's like, I just don't quite understand why a wet tire is existing if we're going to so adversely avoid the conditions where it needs to be. How long did they did they leave it after they cleared all the debris from the Joe crash? Uh, well, long enough that it has stopped raining and was drying out again. I can't tell you exactly. I just kind of clicked ahead until they were right to safety car. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was also just clicking ahead to see if, yeah, if they spent that entire time cleaning out debris from you know, then it's that's fair. If that's but I I I'd, I'd have to go back and look through it to determine yeah. that for sure. Um, but it did restart with about six laps to go. Wasn't anything too hectic that happened. Obviously Perez, oh Perez got done for speeding in the pit lane. Yes, he did. Uh, Cheeky little five second boy. A five second penalty. Which, as we said, would drop him below Gasly in the final results. Uh, a couple of guys um, 
Yeah, I don't know about even too much. Did any, any positions particularly change around on that? Maybe no, I, I think drivers were keeping it pretty safe towards the end. Most of the battles were earlier and, and in the middle. Yeah. You know, some yeah, Yuki had some nice moves on Joe, for example, earlier on in lap 30-odd. Um, but yeah, nothing too crazy happened at the end there. It was kind of just, you know, can Gasly stay close enough to Perez to, to oh, make the most of that gap? And he did it That's the one perfectly. thing that did happen was uh, George. Ah, uh, George. George George had the contact on the first lap of that restart. With George, Norris, George, George of the contact. A complete racer, but yeah, unfortunately gave him a puncture, which, yeah, took him out. And a weekend that promised so much for George. Maybe he felt... Actually, that's one thing we've not talked about we should. Mercedes wasn't quite as good as the uh, Albon call to just fully stay up, but Mercedes, once the track did start drying, they went for just, okay, let's just plonk on the hards and try to run to the end. That was a good call because it did allow George to a get past some cars that he was just always fast enough that he could do it anyway on the hards and when other guys did pit it did move him ahead of people and put him up to p7 with one less pit stop or whatever and to the point that even if those guys now if it had stayed dry guys might have started coming back to him but rain came again and so he was able to be in p7 when they changed to inters and he probably would have finished p6 p7 had he not had that contact with Norris, unfortunately. Yeah. So that was a good uh, strategy call, and it's a shame that went with uh, no reward in the end. And just quickly, that contact with Norris was purely a racing incident. That was oh, nothing yes. untoward with that whatsoever. Just Absolutely. McLaren's uh, love and contact uh, in Zandvoort, unfortunately. But, yeah, so that gave us the final standings of Max Verstappen ahead of Fernando Alonso and Pierre Gasly with a long anticipated yes. return to the podium. Pierre Gasly! Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, the only man. He did a good job. He, he Nothing did. too much happened in his race, but he did a good job just to wave the flag for Ferrari and at least save them from an absolute... Absolutely miserable weekend. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Hamilton with a good drive up from P13. Definitely the two, well, yeah, Norris P7, Piastri P9. That's the two biggest what if I think McLaren had they pitted. Obviously, we were sort of that. I think if McLaren jumped straight away, to the, even if they jump on lap two when Verstappen did, I reckon there's a very good chance Lando finishes second in this race. Uh, he definitely Possibly. had the pace. He certainly would have been, at the very least, he would have been a similar level of pace to Alonso, if, even if he wasn't miles yeah, clear. Yeah, that would have been a fun battle to watch. Um, but not not nearly enough pace to be able to just absolutely rip through guys once they were buried back in the pack, which is what happened when they ran so long, as we said. He caught he caught up to... He was carving through pretty nicely, and then he caught Sonoda, mm. and he just could yeah. not find a way past Sonoda. Yeah. And then later on in the race, then we'll back on Inters and that. Yeah, couldn't move any further forward. He, Albon he, he P... didn't get past an order until lap 55. Yes. Uh, Albon P8, uh, as we've already talked about, obviously his drive. Oscar P9, and yeah, Ocon with that last point. And uh, Stroll, Hulkenberg, Lawson, you were right, P13. Bottas, Sonoda, who, yes, actually that's one thing we didn't talk. So when they all came back, when this next round started... Uh, Everybody, no, no, that's what it was. When they all started to make their second pit stop for a second set of slicks, be a lot of guys on softs. One guy went for mediums, which was not the right call, I don't think. And obviously, George was still just running along the hard. So everyone else came in for a second set of softs. And Alpha Tower went for, oh, do you reckon you can go to the end on these? We're going to try to go to the end on these. Yeah. And when they, this time, when they all caught up to Sonoda, they just went straight past him. Yeah. There was yeah. such a speed differential. 
he just dropped like a stone that he dropped back out of the points before he'd ever pitted again to change the tyres. Yeah. And as I said, that, out of all of them, comfortably the worst strategy call. I get it with the rain. You're gambling on a, hey, but what if it doesn't rain as much as it maybe looks like it's gonna? Here, you know people are going to be way quicker than you on fresh tyres. Just pit and also... Because if, if they'd done that, there's a good chance Yuki finishes in the points because he'd been running in the points. And he'd be looking good too. Yeah, it's a shame for Yuki, especially with so much pressure on his position and his seat. You know, he needs to make the most of every opportunity that he yes, has. Yes, definitely. Just on the Norris point that you think he could have been up there for P2 and battling with Alonso, that's totally fair and I agree, but I do think Alonso would have won because Alonso was in a different stratosphere. Did you see how easily he dealt with Carlos Sainz despite, you know, copping that eight-second pit stop? Like, Alonso was mental. In, in oh, he, he really rose to these conditions. And as we know, uh, Lando Norris has a, a chicken past in these kind of conditions. <laughs> Um, Not the best in the wet, Lando Norris. You know what? You know what is? You know what? You know what's the real shame of this is we didn't get a lot stroll Russia moment of a. Do you mm. think you can keep going in these conditions? Yes. Immediately crashes at the next corner. <laughs> oh, Still, Lance. it's incredible that with everything that happened to Norris in that race and throwing a win away, that clearly the most iconic moment of the race is Stroll saying, "Yes, I can cope in these conditions on slicks." Now, what what he thought the engineer the said was, um, "Do you think you could win Wimbledon one day?" And he was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I hope it happens. I really do. Oh, I'd be so here for it. Yeah, in terms of what a few things done that, nothing's really changed at the top of the championship. It's still Max from Perez, Alonso. Uh, Sainz has now moved ahead of Leclerc and mm. Russell up into P5. Yeah. See, Carlos is the superior Ferrari driver. <laughs> this is going to be an argument we have for the rest of the year, mate. You, we'll see. Alonso uh, extends his gap on Hamilton for P3. That's a, that's a big one for him. Eight yes. points now, I think. No, 12 points. a whopping 12 points. Humongous. Every point counts, uh, baby. Obviously, that. obviously, the other obviously thing, yeah, Gasly leaping up ahead of Ocon and Piastri. Mm. Albon now firmly clear of Hulkenberg and I'd say Williams family clear of Haas on those 15 points. I That's hard to... How many races have we got left? Like... Eight or nine? Uh, ten. Ten? Ten! Good God. I that believe. is... No, we have six. No, we have nine. Nine? Okay. It, nine would, it would have been ten if China was uh, happening. Yeah. I reckon, honestly... I'm going to go... I reckon Albon scores points in six of the last nine races. And most notably... Nice, by the way. Most, nice. And most Little notably... 69. What was that? Nice. Little <laughs> yeah. Very good. And obviously, Monza, he's winning, so... Yes. Like, that'll be a huge haul of points. Um, but even if that doesn't happen, yeah, there's just... I think he scores at least five or six of the nine races. Um, Albon is scoring points. I reckon Haas, the two of the cars combined, what, tops? Two more point scoring finishes for the year, if that. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, just Williams is... They'll need it well to keep a rampaging that. Liam Lawson out of, uh, out of points, brother. <laughs> Um, which is absolutely massive because it's been a long time since Williams has been in a position to, they're going to yep. finish P7. Shout out to Vols. He's doing a great job. He really is. It has been, yeah, it's been a long time since they've had, well, a lot of the time, anyone below them in the constructors, but they've got three teams. And I think they've, they've picked a good time to have a big uptick in their form as well because... Mm. There are two teams who have previously been a lot further... Well, AlphaTauri used to be way further up the grid for a while there. But AlphaTauri and Alfa Romeo, both on big downswings, 
Haas is kind of just doing Haas things. That's the thing. Williams, any other year, Williams is obviously beating Haas, and Haas is coming last in the constructors. Haas is like, Because these two other teams that are normally better have had such a big downswing this year. Yeah, all of a sudden, Williams is finishing seventh. Yeah. That's huge. The amount That's of extra awesome. funding that'll get there, that really will leave, hopefully, Williams in a position to possibly leverage... Well, I mean, they're already... At this point, I think you've got to look at Williams. Certainly, at least the Albon-driven Williams car is no longer a backmarker car. It's a midfield Agreed. car. Agreed. Agreed. It, it's a midfield car. Now, it's not going to finish anywhere near the others in points, both because, A, miles behind, and, B, it's probably only going to be Albon scoring those points. But you're, I think you're more likely to see Albon beat the Alpines, Ferraris, at least one of the Aston Martins every weekend than we are to see an Alfa Romeo finish in front of him. Do you think Logan Sargent manages to score a point in his debut season in Formula 1? I think... It is definitely a possibility, and I think we all know where we want it to happen. Yes, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, obviously. <laughs> Jinx! Under roof padlock soda. Actually, you know it? what? You know what? Well, actually, no, let's, no you know what? Because there's two, there's two possibilities here. So let's uh, let's do a bit of research. Oh, Logan no. Sargent was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, well, he's already missed his opportunity. He just meant to score points in Miami. He was. What a fuckwit. You know what? He's got Vegas and he's got, he's got Austin. He's got options. I think... Okay, where would you prefer him to score the point? Which track out of those two? Vegas, because that would mean that something crazy has happened and it would mean that Vegas was actually interesting, which no one actually expects. Rather than just a couple of, couple of left... Yo, you, know what's, you know what's beautiful about Vegas? Of the corners, from what I'm the seeing here, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I reckon we've got eight left-handers. Mm-hmm. And we've got one, two, three, maybe four right-handers. So they've made a Formula One track that is as close to a NASCAR circuit as they possibly can. Genius. That is inspirational. I've got to say, I hope it happens in Texas. Texas is, like, Coda is truly the home of American Grand Prix racing at the moment. Of course. Uh, I think that's the one where I'd like to see it. Also because... I would love to have an excuse to just ignore Vegas's existence on the calendar. <laughs> uh, uh. Whereas Coda normally delivers a pretty good Grand Prix and is actually one of the races that I'm looking forward to watching throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Which, to be fairness, the back half of the season definitely normally. We always sort of get off to a bit of a rough start. There's a lot of tracks. We've talked about this before, but there's a lot of tracks in the front half of the calendar that aren't necessarily great. Saudi Arabia is up and down, but I think it's... If it wasn't a street circuit, I just don't think it would be a good track. But yeah. I kind of throw things out. Australia's not great. Saudi Arabia is more but, dangerous than entertaining. Yes. Miami is terrible. Uh, <laughs> when it happens, I still don't think is all that great. Obviously, Monaco is ass. Spain's normally pretty dull. Canada just can't seem to find the magic. But the back half of the year, Austria, Britain... Austria didn't deliver this year, but, you know, Austria, nope. Britain, Hungary, Belgium. We've had a brilliant Dutch Grand Prix. It's impressive. Then, you know, we've got Monza is always great. Singapore very rarely has a truly terrible one. Japan's only quite fun. We'll pretend that Qatar doesn't exist. US is always pretty good. Mexico is normally solid. Um, I genuinely still don't think I've ever seen a bad Brazilian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Uh Vegas will probably suck, and Abu Dhabi is not as bad as its reputation is. It's not great, but it's not as bad as its they've reputation improved. Is. They've improved it over the past couple of years. Definitely, those that, the changes they made for last year was a massive improvement. Yeah. But there is still a lot of like 
six of the next seven races are all probably inside top 12 most anticipated tracks of the year for me. Let's let's which... hope that some of them deliver. We want some more juicy Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Well, we... What are we up to? We're up to two of the last four races have been the two best races of the year. Yep. And Belgium... Oh, Had a good sprint. In the, Belgium's probably in the... Oh, best Belgium and best Hungary. sprint ever. Yeah. <laughs> Belgium and Hungary probably in the discussion along with Bahrain for like... Okay races. No, best race of the year. <laughs> okay races. We've had um, two good races. Says a, says a lot about how something... Yes, yeah, so you know, it's been a bad year when Azerbaijan failed to deliver, mm-hmm. Canada failed to deliver, Austria failed to deliver, uh, Imola failed to even exist. Um, yeah, I'd say these two, uh, Netherlands and Britain, and then I'd probably have Australia third, maybe Bahrain. Yep. Um, and then it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty mid after that, but... Uh, do you want some uh, Max Verstappen facts? Oh, I'd love some Max Verstappen facts. The man is pretty good at racing cars, allegedly. Um, soon to not be allowed to race cars on the streets, but he's he's, he's pretty good at racing cars on uh, uh, you mean, on racetracks. You mean he's not a street racer? <laughs> yes, he he's not he's not good friends with Vin Diesel, unfortunately. But uh, ninth consecutive win, which obviously ties the Formula One championship record held by Seb Vettel, also with Red Bull, did it in his home Grand Prix. And did it impressively, it must be said. Uh, overcame lots of obstacles, lots of restarts, crazy weather, etc. It's the 12th consecutive time Verstappen has won when starting from pole position, which ties Michael Schumacher's record set between San Marino and Japan, 2003-2004. Um, <laughs> you know this is Verstappen's 11th win of the year, right? So that surpasses his total in his first title year in 2021, where he won 10 yep. races. And it matches the most scored by Lewis Hamilton in any season ever. Yep. How many did Max win last year? Like 15, 16? So 15, yeah, something like that. Please. He could get to 17, 18 easily. You know what? So Albon's scoring points in six of the nine races. Mm. I mean, it's hard not to say Max is winning all nine, but Max is winning at least seven of the last nine. He, he could very He's well finishing with nine. at least 18 races. Make it a clean 20 in a row, bro. Let's do it. He's also led 628 laps this season, which is more than he led in uh, 2022, which was 616. And it's the seventh highest total in history, just 111 short of Vettel's think, record. Yeah, that's fair. I think Brazil, Mexico, and this weekend are the only three races where I can rem- I'm remotely considering. I mean, obviously, he could run into a wall in Singapore. I guess that's possible. But Saudi that Arabia only... could, be do- uh, could be dastardly. Only... He's not. He's already done Saudi. Arabia. Oh, of course, that happened. Jesus. Uh, they're the only three ones I'm to Mexico because just every year we come to Mexico until he's out of the category. I am going to attempt to manifest a Perez home. <laughs> yes. It would be so cool. To, that would be the crowd would go. We genuinely might see like deaths from people invading the track whilst the stalker, which you don't want to see, but no. they will lose their minds. Are you manifesting like, the, death right now. No, I'm trying to manifest Perez winning, but I'm also like <laughs> slightly concerned about how the Mexican crowd will respond. They'll be quite chuffed, I imagine. They'll be quite yes. pleased. Yes. Uh, Brazil, I'll back in because it's it's good. I mean, it gave us George Russell's win last year. Brazil. It's just as I said, it's always a good race, and there's always a chance some interesting stuff could happen. And Monza has obviously it, it came back to earth last year, but 2020 and 2021. It was possibly the race of the year, and certainly the result of the year. Well, actually, that's a lie. What was a what was a better result, Ocon or Ricardo winning? Ricardo, just purely See, based on it, bias. 
I think no, it was Ocon, Ocon won in Hungary, didn't he? Yeah. No, no, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, because right. that was yeah, so yeah. twenty twenty Gasly won at Monza. Yeah. Twenty twenty one, we had both Ocon and Ricardo wins. We had two what the fuck races for the year. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. taking Ocon just for of the insane performance by uh, Alonso. Alonso mm. to kneecap Hamilton for the entire race. I, 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 if I had to pick any of them, I'd probably go with Gasly. Oh, Gasly definitely. I was just going for the the two. Those that two yeah. I, I was going for which was the bigger like. Which was the the wow race of twenty twenty one. But I, I loved believing just for one race that Ricardo was actually back and good again. Yes, that was a nice little um, false lie, false little, little white lie. Regardless, uh, the main the main point there is obviously so two of the last three years Monza has given us a great result. It's also given us some good races in the past. I mean, we see uh, Leclerc won there in front of the Tifosi, I believe. We could see some very angry Tifosi this weekend. Yeah, yes, that's what we've had in recent times. Oh yeah, it's probably only going to get worse. But yeah, it could be it could be a good one. So before we get into previewing that though, I believe you have a send it, Jashan. We haven't talked about Daniel Ricardo breaking his better tassel. Oh, true. Which we really should have started with. I'm yeah. gonna call that on you because you're meant to be the one who reigns in my absolute anarchy in these things. <laughs> you're so. the host, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I've also <laughs> got ADHD, so... Oh, God. Do you know uh, Logan Sargent has a brother called Harry Sargent III? <laughs> Fun fact with Matt. I did not, but that's good. I'm glad I know that. We failed to address... We just sort of mentioned that, but we didn't actually give any explanation for why Liam Lawson was racing this week. Nope. So if you're sitting here <laughs> listening to this and going, what the fuck are you talking about, Liam Lawson? He doesn't drive in Formula One. Uh, you've actually mentioned that. So in practice two, I believe, on the Friday, uh, Oscar Piastri lost it and put it in the fence into that banked... I think it's turn... Is it turn, turn three? It's got to be turn three. Yeah, that sounds right. In that first banked corner, um, mm. he he put it up in the fence there, and then a few other guys with that, but Ricardo, just when he arrived on the scene pretty quickly after, he was way up high in the high line, and he basically said he, he got there and just was like, okay, well, I can run into Piastri, or I can run into the wall, so I'll run into the wall. Yeah. Which, uh, absolutely heads up move. I, it wasn't super high speed. I don't think it would have been truly horrific, but you definitely, you always want to avoid absolutely T-boating someone. Oh, like, yeah. Smack bang on the, the cockpit part of the car if you can. So a savvy move by Ricardo to just bin himself to avoid that contact with Oscar. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately doing that, obviously the one, the big, the big thing that can happen in an open wheel is when you do come to a sudden stop run into things, if your hands are still on the wheel, because mm. uh, the wheels are exposed and can, you know, if, if you hit a wall and that, you know, wrenches the physically wrenches the wheel, well, the wheel connects back to the steering wheel, shockingly. That's how that's how cars work. So the, the real wheel moves, your steering wheel moves as well. So if your steering wheel violently snaps, that can, you know, your wrist, your fingers, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yes, he suffered what a fractured metatarsal. Yeah, a few a few broken bones in that bad boy. He's had surgery. Went to went to the same guy who fixed up Lance Stroll. Uh, it has been successful. He's got a metal plate in there now, which is uh, giving me the heebie-jeebies. But he seems to be fine. He seems pretty excited really? about you, it. Heebie, metal plates give you heebie-jeebies. That's a very very lot. There was a lot of people walking around with metal in their body, mate. I know. Um, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. 
not a fan of the idea of having metal inside my body. I don't know why, but it is what it is. I, I'm about to um, burst your whole bubble. You do know that you've got iron in your body naturally. Yes, thanks, Matt. Right? Appreciate that. Good stuff. Uh, the third fun fact of the day. What's, what's been your funnest fact? Harry Sergeant the Third? Um, the idea that the wheels are connected to the steering wheel, or this one right here that there's iron in our body. Ah, uh, the wheel, the wheels connected to the steering wheel, just for my delivery of it. Yeah, it was a good delivery. That was very. His middle name of Logan Sargent's also Hunter, which is I gotta know. be the fucking I most did American actually know middle that. name. <laughs> it's so it's so American. It's incredibly American. It has anything epitomized what the fuck is a kilometer more than Logan Sargent's middle name being Hunter? <laughs> You've seen that on F1 Troll. I think it's, there's a picture of him sitting down looking all depressed and it's like, what if I am the kilometer? <laughs> it's so, it's such a... <laughs> I mean, look, the man was born in a fort, so you know he's super American. This is this is true. But um, yeah, the, 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 the target for a comeback at this point in time is Singapore. So we will see more Liam Lawson. In Monza, uh, hopefully it goes well. I thought he acquitted himself pretty reasonably, given that he had such little time to get acquitted with the car and, you know, difficult conditions to say the least. So hopefully Liam can pull one out of the bag and do something special in Monza. I think just you want to just see that if he can just close the gap a bit to Sonoda. And he ended up finishing P13. But yeah, if he can close that gap to Sonoda, look semi-competitive in terms of race pace, which I know he finished ahead of him, but he definitely didn't. It was Alpha Tauri who pissed away Sonoda's race, not Sonoda himself. But yeah, if he can just show a bit of a step forward in that, I think that's a tremendous success. This is obviously, you know, he is being handed a opportunity to, you know, audition for that seat next season. Uh, obviously, the big thing would be if he's capable, if he's able to, with a full race weekend under his belt, beat Sonoda. It would be huge. Um, I think there's a really strong case there. If he beats Sonoda... Could very well end Sonoda's career. That he should be there next season. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah, hopefully Ricardo is able to be back for Singapore so he can have as much time to press his case for That's it. whatever seat Red Bull want him in. Yeah, for Tauris. They've had year. four drivers this season. It's un it's unheard of. Uh, but shall I send it? Yes, you shall. Did I send it or did I not didn't send it? Yeah, you oh, send it! This is the segment where I rattle off a few headlines from the uh, suddenly somewhat more exciting world of Formula One. Matthew will pick one that he wants to uh, dive into, and I myself will pick one that I want to break down. So I want to get started here. Just, just sorry, just before you do, Alan, do you is there a sting for send it? Yes. Is it the Carlos Sainz quote? Yes. There you go. I clearly don't listen to the podcast stuff at no, all, but I'm glad, glad it is. That's good. That's good. It's, I'm also, gonna be... it's also got the smooth operator song in the background, and then it's oh, like, nice. uh, That's very nice. what's it? What's it? It's sandwiched by two quotes of Carlos Sainz saying he's going to send it. Uh, PlanetF1.com, first of all, courtesy of Sam Cooper. Exclusive. Why Alonso and Ocon's decisions are limiting Pierre Gasly's Alpine development. Juicy. Headline number two. Courtesy of Express.co.uk via Joe Krishnan. Verstappen names dream teammate. Ooh, who could it be? Oh, my God. Hello, number three. F1 briefings. This is written by Lydia Mee. F1 news. Ferrari unveils special Italian Grand Prix race suits. I'm sure they'll be very aesthetic. Number four. Skynews.com.au. We, we love it. Jack Marnie on this one. Uh, F1 driver Daniel Ricciardo shares update from hospital bed after undergoing surgery for broken metacarpal 
And finally, planetf1.com again via Thomas Marr. We need to talk about Charles Leclerc, and it's not a comfortable conversation. Consider it sent. Matthew, do any of those headlines speak to you on an... I, 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 look, just just give me one. Give me a headline. What do well, you want? look, it started off and I was like, oh, I'm curious to learn more about this subjective opinion of um, how Alonso was somehow ruining Pierre Gasly. And it, it finished with, oh, I'm curious to hear this subjective opinion of how apparently Charles Leclerc is awful or something. Um, but... Am I Max Verstappen's dream teammate? <laughs> um, close, close, but no cigar, unfortunately. Can I? Can I give me? Give me. Okay, is it someone currently on the grid? Nope. Is it a past driver? Yep. Two thousands onward, or two uh, prior to the twenty first century? Earlier. Earlier. Okay. How? Certified, like someone you'd heard of within your first oh, yeah. half a year of watching Formula someone One. Someone I'm very familiar with, possibly on a very... personal level. Who knows? <laughs> That's a joke. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not familiar with any uh, apart from Ralph Boschung. I'm not friends That's with any true. of these guys. All right, so I'm thinking it's probably either Senna, mm. uh, Senna Schumacher, or would you consider Schumacher 2000? So you've ruled him out. Senna, uh, yeah. Schumacher, Mansell, Prost. That's probably that's probably the four I could most likely see it being. Mm. I'd love if it was Keke Rosberg, <laughs> like James. Oh, is it Nicky Lauda? No, it's not Nicky Lauda. Nicky okay. Lauda. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> that is would it... be fun though. All right, all right. I'll go one last thing, and if I can't get it, are they like? Are we okay? We'll do that. Are we talking like Latin American or European? European. European. Okay, so it's not Senna or okay, so it's not Senna. So it's Prost. Impressive or... that you know that Brazil is not in Europe. I'm honestly gosh. <laughs> well, that, that also rules out like Fangio and stuff like oh, that. True. Um, and uh, PK. Um, so it's probably Prost or Mansell or I guess Mika Hakkinen. That would be really obscure. Give me, give me one. Come on, you can do it. Alberto Ascari. You haven't mentioned. Yeah, it could be. If he's gone all the way back to Alberto Ascari, I'd love it to be Jim Clark. Is it okay? Is it James Hunt? No, that'd be Why fun. Would, that that would be fun. Especially I see, played I've, by Chris Hemsworth. That'd be awesome. I feel like Max is more on the fun side of things. Like he's be, he's great mate with Norris. Mm-hmm. I just sure is it Alan Prost? <sighs> Max Verstappen's dream teammate is his dad. <laughs> okay. I I just never even considered that. That's nah. <laughs> that's actually really obvious that you think that's uh, uh, yes. For me personally, so dream Stappen team confirmed. I could choose and could bring people back to their normal racing age, it would be my dad. Confirmed con- okay, so this all but confirms Max Verstappen, big fan of not having uh, someone in any way capable of challenging him for number one driver. <laughs> And also a big fan of having a teammate who verbally abuses him. Oh, God, yeah. uh, I can guarantee you every little mistake, Jos Verstappen would be like, Max, what the fuck? Yep. That was not good enough. 100%. Oh, Jesus. That is, honestly, that's up there there with some of the most, like, what is that answer um, answers (laughs) that the F2 drivers normally give. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, That's actually, that's kind of amazing. Oh, God. Um, There you go. 
Yoss Verstappen and Max's dream team. Yeah. That's... So, I'll go, I'll go now. Uh... The Ferrari jumpsuits are very aesthetic. Go look them up. They've got the red and yellow going on. It's gorgeous. But I will talk about this Gasly story or opinion piece on planetf1.com, a, a fun website if you guys uh, want to you know, do some light reading. Uh, so basically, the idea is that the car is being designed, obviously, for Alonso and Ocon, which doesn't surprise anyone because that's who they would have had in the car last year. And their style of driving is the complete opposite of Pierre Gasly's, according to Pierre Gasly. He believes that the car itself is preventing him from being at his best. And it confirms that he will have more input into the design next season. So well, you'd fucking hope so. Yes, you would. Because he's probably better than Ocon. I, I, I hold on to that firmly. Uh, yeah, so he, the quote here is, I think it is clear that this year's car is driven by Esteban and Fernando's feedback from last year. I will have a bigger input on next season's car. And there are clear things that I'm trying to get from the car since the start of the year, which I basically can't at the moment. So there you go. Okay, well, that was... Oh, apologies. That was um less subjective than I thought it was going to be. That was actually like Indeed. that makes sense. And yeah, that, no, that make that makes sense. I think that's entirely plausible. They would have possibly been starting to shape next season's carb even before they knew Alonso was leaving. And even mm. then, at the end of the day, the two guys they had there to give them feedback were Alonso and Ocon. Exactly. So it makes sense that the car wouldn't necessarily be to Gazi's liking if he's got a different driving style. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, just quickly, though. Um, what, so why do we need to talk about Charles Leclerc? Ah, oh, he's just depressed, isn't he? Oh, okay. So we're just talking about how he said which I've already done. Yeah, no, it's it's more that he's asking the question, has Leclerc plateaued as a driver, or does he have anything more to give? I think it's more Ferrari's plateaued as a team. I think Ferrari are reducing as a team. Yeah, like... I uh, definitely that, but it's just becoming increasing because it's only been a couple to a couple of years ago that we've talked about. Look, I, uh, look. In fairness, he has had less. Oh, that was a really great drive in the car, something like that. But it's also a couple. Of, I think it was only a couple of years ago that we were truly talking about him as the shitbox whisperer. Like that's what we called him on this podcast. Yes, that was his name. And. Obviously, I've seen less of that in the last couple of years, but how much of that is that Leclerc has lost his shitbox whispering abilities? How much of it is possibly that this is now just too big of a shitbox? Mm. I don't actually answer that. A diarrhea but box, it's just, if you will. It's very hard to shitbox whisper when your team is actively finding ways yeah. to inconvenience your race week in and week out. Those, like, those inters, where are they? Where are they it's now? Hard to, it's hard to put a car that shouldn't be on the podium on the podium when your team is going to lose you at least, like, four spots a race with just Ferrari-ness. Yeah. Because that means not only do you have to get your car that was only good enough to go P6 and qualifying up to P3, well, now you're back down to P7, so you got to get... It. Well, it's just... Yeah. It, it's just too much for him to overcome. Madness. It's a shame, but shall we talk Monza? Oh, we shall. So, as we've already mentioned, Monza... It's got a good track record <laughs> in recent years of being quite a good race. Obviously, two of the more notable surprise results of the last decade in Formula One. But even yeah. before that, there's been some very fun races, some very uh, uplifting, feel-good results here at Monza. Um, yeah, is it a track that you're looking forward to coming this weekend? 
Fuck yeah. I honestly would make the argument that's the track I'm most looking forward to over the course of the, the season. I, I know I know Brazil would be your bet on that, but I'm fucking chuffed for this. You know, you get to see Liam Lawson go at it again. Get to see the Tafosi riot. It's going to be really interesting, I think. And um, who knows? Albon get, gets that win. <laughs> exactly. I'm so tempted to pick. <laughs> Got to pick so it, mate. Tempted. Come on. Go on. Nah. You know you Look, want no, to. But I'm also, I also want Verstappen to have this outright record. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Max. Fair enough. Um, getting it right. Uh, so I will take Verstappen to win the race. Could do it. Uh, I think McLaren will bounce back, and you know what? I'm gonna back Oscar to get finally get his first ooh, real podium. Ooh, saucy! And fuck it, I'll take Alex Albon to be P3. All right, I don't, I like that. That's a, that's a fun that's a fun uh, podium right but there. But Albon Albon's getting pole. Mark my words, Alex Albon is taking pole. All right. I can definitely see, I can't, okay, I can unironically see Albon on the front row if that Williams is actually as fast as I think it is in a straight line. Fuck yeah, let's, let's, see, let's see how the rocket ship, let's, let's go to goddamn Mars, boys. All right, uh, I am going to also pick Max Verstappen to win because I would be an idiot not to as much as I want something juicy to happen. <laughs> Should we change our prediction method? Instead of mm. picking one, two, and three, we start predicting two, three, and four. Honestly, if Max wins <laughs> in Monza, we're doing it. Okay. Done. Yes. All right, you oh, heard God. it here first, folks. Shit's crazy. Uh, I think Alonso, in his current vein of form with the upgraded car, is going to keep going, and he will finish P2 again. And, oh my god, P3 is a, is a tough one. There are so many drivers who could do it at the moment. There, it's very competitive in that midfield. It's not going to be Ferrari. I'll give you that for free. Uh, will it be a McLaren? Will it be a Mercedes? I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. I'm going to go. I'm going to vote for experience here. I like that. I like that. And you know, I think George really... Russell is not going to score points again. You know what would be really good um, is if there is a race where Verstappen doesn't actually finish and so there is a different winner possibly. I would love if the podium ends up being like Norris, Albon, Russell, like yeah, Piastri. I was like, say, any, like... any, com- any combination of those four and then like Alonso finishes fourth just, or Hamilton I guess, but we'll go with Alonso, just for Perez. the ability to run out. No, Perez, Perez not the same. Hmm. He's not as quite as old. No, I want the I want I just want the ability for it to be three of the certified youngsters and then like Alonso, just so we can run out the future is now old man man. Uh-huh. Yeah, you must be so excited to see uh, Norris Russell and Albon lining up side by side on the grid. Oh, it, I think any Formula One fan should be because we know they're all good buddies away from the track and like how funny of a trio they can be. Back in the Twitch days and still on like social medias and stuff. That like video, that. Also that just... video that, that you're famous, the, the video you love so much. Oh, yeah, when there were the three of the rookies in the grace. Yes. Fact. Fact. Um, <laughs> and fucking Alex Albon's little uh, rap. Oh, my God. And Norris just kind of doing nothing. Um, <laughs> Being boring because it's lame. But, yeah, I mean. Just all of them. It's it's cool to see the youth movement and how much they all are up the top. And I do think all of them. I know you find Norris. He's less annoying this grating. year, but he can De- be yeah, very I, I do think all of them have different aspects about them that makes them. Very, I mean, 
Piastri and Albon are just both two genuinely really likable guys. Albon just seems like such a lovely guy. Uh, Piastri, he just... Because he, he doesn't... I mean, he doesn't seem to have that, like, brash ego, as we've talked about. He's so mature. He's so well-spoken. Again, um... Oh, he had some... There was some incident he had. Or maybe it was when he, when he crashed in practice. That. Again, his radio message. I was just like, that just sounds like he's 30, not 22. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, obviously Norris. Norris is, you know, kind of fun and goofy. And George Russell, yeah, uh, every single incident he's ever been in his racing career wasn't his fault. <laughs> but he also is just good at, like, making memeable moments. He just says funny things. He's. I think he's very naturally comedic without trying to be. Yeah, he was forecasting at the podium this weekend. You know? <laughs> he, he really was. He was. It was. It was doubly funny because he used the word forecast and like yes, it was and rain. it was bad weather. Yes, yes, it, it yes, was good. Is, it, was, yes. It, was, it was very good stuff. All right. Um. But yeah. All in all, yeah. So what do we got? Both both got Verstappen winning. Slight. You've gone for the experience on the podium. I've gone for the certified youth movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're both optimistic about Monza delivering again something similar to yeah maybe Britain and last weekend. The Verstappen win will probably be a foregone conclusion, but everything oh, yeah. around it could be quite enjoyable. We shall see. Um. Yeah. As ever. You can so yeah that brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, as ever, you can find us on any good podcast player, uh, at Instagram at Online Hub Media. Uh, be sure to tune if you're listening. Well, yeah, when you're listening to this, be sure to uh, either check on your feed and see if it's there, and if not, check back the following day to listen to our episode of F two for you, which I imagine will probably go up what a day after this one probably. Yeah. I'll have this posted um, tomorrow be, and then F2 for you on, on Thursday. I imagine this should be quite the F2 for you episode. It's going to be a juicy one. a truly fascinating weekend of oh, F2 yes. action, considering we only got about one and a half as many sessions as we normally do. Sorry, half the amount of sessions we normally do. But yeah, as ever, I have been Matt. I've been joined by Jashan. Having a lovely, lovely day. Life is and great. And combined, we have been... Rear of the Grid. Did you Googling overreaction synonyms? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> React disproportionately. <laughs> Uh, blow things out of all proportion. Go over the top. Make a mountain out of a molehill. Get upset over nothing. Ooh, we should just call this segment the reacting more strongly or forcefully than is necessary segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh...